Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Time to play the game! Time to play the game! <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the game, and I you play it, all about your trust. into another edition of the fantasy authority podcast i am your host kevin Steele, and you can find me on twitter at fantasy 13 and you can find my co-host as usual tonight is just the duo uh tonight we have cody kutzer uh you know him as hashtag hedge life uh you can find him on twitter at c kutzer ff how you doing tonight on this thanksgiving eve doing well man uh it's back to uh back to the two amigos the the two musketeers here without just us two we've we've had nate and ryan with us and some guests over the past two weeks but now it's just back to us two man so ready to ready to jump into this week 13 slate got a little uh stout little stout action going on here for for my thanksgiving eve and prepared to spend it with with you and the rest of the tfa fam how are you feeling, man? You were a little under the weather on uh, on Sunday when we did the the waiver pod. Uh, I'm doing a little bit better, uh, not as bad. And before, like when I talk for any like length of time, I start to feel like I'm about to cough my lungs out. Uh, this time, I don't feel as bad. Um, so it's been good. It's been good. We did the DFS podcast last night with uh, the uh, the four amigos, with me and Ryan, and we had uh, Maddie and uh, Derek Brown on from TQE and. That was lit. It was a good time. Lots of laughs. Uh, lots of busting each other's balls, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So if you get a chance, if you play, if you're playing the DFS late this week, go check out that. You can find it on our YouTube channel. You can find it on your podcast ch- choice, and that's DFS DJ Nation. But yeah, it is a lot of fun. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. Some of these games this week, and I think this the week 13 turns out to be pretty good. Um, I guess just getting into the the the, the slate here, like. 
I mean, this is a pretty big week for everybody, right? Like we kind of talked about a little bit on the waiver show, but like this is the make or break week, right? The, for most everybody, the playoffs start next week. And, um, you know, if you're sitting there at seven and five or six and six, you know, to this point, you know, you're probably on the, you know, the precipice of the, the playoffs and you need a win this week and maybe a couple other things. I know for me in a couple of leagues, I was kind of going through looking at all the scenarios of what I needed to happen to get in. And I think that's where a lot of people are at right now. Or you're, you're, you're chilling, you know, or you're out of it. Uh, I assume if you're out of it, you're probably not listening to this at this point because uh, maybe you're just a diehard fantasy football fan. And you're going to go down with the ship as the, like the Titanic. But for most people, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, man. That, like that's a, that's the a fun part about this year. Like you said, you're going through. You're like, all right, well, the tiebreaker is head to head. I beat him this year, but he has me in points. Like you're trying to figure out all, all that out. So, man, that's that's a lot of fun. But before we uh, before we jump into it, kind of something that goes right into that. We had a slack question uh from matt giraldi and he asked how do you handle waivers for teams that aren't in contention so if like like how how do you how do you go about that in the leagues that you're in kev like if if there's a team that's not in contention do you do you just roll those guys out from being able to do waivers like once you like once they're completely out like is it something he mentioned something there about having kind of like the teams that are in contention, they get first dibs. And then if you want to add somebody and you're out of contention, you can do it after like that, I guess, that first waiver run. Um, do you have any preference? What are your thoughts on, you know, in contention versus out and how to handle waiver runs? So for me, I think it really depends on your league structure, right? Like if you have a league where you have like the toilet bowl and like for me, like a uh, league that I'm in, we do. And it's, I think it's $60, whoever wins that, which is, little more than half the entry fee the entry is a hundred bucks and then it's uh we have some other money in there that that you can that you can end up putting in but you know so like if you're something like that where there's still some like some some skin in the game if you will um i think you just kind of leave it open for everybody but if it's not um i i know there's there's leagues that you like turn off the waivers and like players or teams that are out of it you uh, lock them for making any moves but you know uh, I I think it all depends on your structure what kind of league you are if it's a keeper league if it's not if it's just your typical 12-man league and there's no toilet bowl yeah I I could see that but at the same time I mean well I mean I I don't think that's fair either you know if people still want to play and everything else they shouldn't just be well this is the team I got you know and this is all I can play with right I mean that's that's why my my preference for waivers is like the, what do they call Like the rolling priority, right? Where like, if you don't use your priority that week, you bump up next. You know what I mean? It adds that next layer of strategy to it as well. And that way, like if you haven't been making that many moves and you're in 12th place, I not 12th, but you're, you're in first place. So you have like the, the 12th waiver claim, like you're also not punished by having a good team either. So that's, like you said, it, it all depends on if you have a toilet bowl or, if, you know, uh, something else he mentioned was if you do like a weekly high score kind of thing, like that all matters. But that's uh, that's kind of how I would how I would prefer to handle it is just having the, the rolling priority. That way there's, like I said, it adds that little layer of strategy. And, uh, you know, you, you got to figure the teams that are in last place. They've been trying to add guys on a week-to-week basis, you know what I mean, to try and make up for those points. So they should be lower in that priority to begin with. That, I guess, you know, since we're moving into the playoffs, what is your thoughts on 
actual playoff construction on who gets in, who gets out. You know, I know a lot of teams or a lot of leagues have like divisions and, you know, top three in each division. Maybe the, the first, you know, the guy who won each division gets a bye or, you know, however you want to do it. But, you know, I think one way that people should be doing it is I think that the, the team with the highest, most points should automatically get in. Now, if they end up being the number one team, then okay, then it's, that's the way it works. But, um, you know, you see a lot of leagues where that, you know, or I've seen, you know, teams that you see a lot this year, like, man, I'm, I'm leading the league in points, but I'm I'm in eighth place. Like, I don't think that should be what it is because the only thing we can really control as fantasy owners is points, right? Like, we don't really have, like, you know, we, we don't get any choice of, it's not like we have control of, who, you know, like, like how players are going to be used or whatever. So to me, like, I, I think it, you know, if, if you're a team, I that, I think that's how it should be. I, I think, you know, if you lead the league, if, if you have the most points in your league, you know, and you just had that dumb luck of, you know, you seem, seem to always play somebody who had a, had, had a bad week or had a great week against you and you just end up not getting a plus. I don't think that's fair. I think teams with the, who have the most points should make the playoffs. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And if, if for some reason that your, your record is, you know, I mean, your record-wise it puts you at, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth place, that last spot should always be reserved for the team with the highest points. I mean, like, like you said, like how many weeks, you know, how many messages do we get of, well, you know, I, I had the second most points. I, you know, I would have beat everybody in my league this week, except for the team I played. So like things like that, like you said, you can't control, you know, who's playing and who's not, or if the worst team in your league, you're going up against them and they just happen to go off that week with their garbage lineup. You know what I mean? Like those kind of things are out of your control. So yeah, for sure. The, that six spot or however many spots you have in your league for playoffs, at least that should always go to high points. There's a, uh, the league that I'm in that with John Bosch that he runs, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago whenever uh, J Mike swung through in the live chat. Uh, the way that he does it is basically like every other spot is set up for high points. You know what I mean? It's so like the, the number one spot is reserved for like the, the highest for, for the best record. And then the second spot is either next Becker nest. Oh my God. The stout is already getting to me. Uh, next best record or highest points. And it just keeps like rotating, going every other spot through there. So, I mean, I, I like that as well. But yeah, if, if you have if you have the highest points, but just really bad luck where, you know, you, you have the second most points, but you have the most points against, like, I, I don't think you should be, you should be punished for that. So yeah, that, that last spot, should be reserved for the team with the highest points if they're not already in, like you mentioned. No, I 100% agree. So I, I, that's something I'd like to see more teams or more leagues implement because I don't think people should be punished for having a great team, but just, you know, terrible luck and, and how uh, you end up playing somebody, you know, um, which that's actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, one of the leagues I'm in, the keeper league I'm in, is actually that's what uh, I'm on the. Uh, I have to win to get in, and I've outscored that. Like the next closest person to me is like uh, almost 200 points behind me when I'm si- I'm seven and five, and I'm tied with another person. And I and so if I lose, I'm out. But if I win, I just got lucky because somebody lost last week that ended up making it. So now there's like we're, we'll, we'd be in a three way tie if we all if I win and then this other guy loses. Uh, actually, the guy that's in second place right now, if he loses because they're playing each other. The, the, the guy I'm tied with in second place are playing each other. So if the guy that's in third place right now 
if he beats him, I will jump frog him because I have more intra division wins. And this is what I'm talking about with this crazy shit. <laughs> but I sat down and looked at everything, what I needed to do to get into. And so that's what it is. Like I'm, I'm in first, and I may not even make the. I, like I have the most points. It's not even close, and I may not make the playoffs. That's why fantasy football is a fickle bitch. That, that sounds like one of those uh, the infographics that we're gonna start seeing. It's like, all right, the Texans will get in. If Kansas City loses, or if the Patriots beat the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Jacksonville Jaguars, where they have like the eighteen different bullet points pulled up, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's exactly what this the way this shit goes. So, anyways, yeah. So I guess from there, you know, like the, the, this this week, you know, well, I guess let's full restart, full restart. Let, let's go to this because in the DFS pod, we almost missed talking about this completely. What is your? I know we, we all know the hot take that, that you're much more of a Fourth of July food guy versus Thanksgiving guy, but what is your go-to Thanksgiving dish? Man, it's just gonna have to be everything piled up in one bowl, right? Just that that complete miss. Does, does that count? The like, dude, just piling up every. You got the turkey, the taters, the noodles, the corn, the stuffing, the noodles. Just all. You don't no- do noodles? No, I've never heard noodles before. Yeah, it's like a uh, like those like the the thicker ones, not like a spaghetti noodle, but like a, a thick soup noodle, like a stroganoff noodle, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, if I, if, I mean, if, but, if but what is making... the first thing you're going to like? The thing you have to have stuffing. Okay. See, for me, it is sweet potato casserole. I love sweet potato casserole. I could just sit there and eat that. But like another hot take is I'm not a huge turkey guy. Like if if it's fried, I'm cool with it. But if it's uh, anything else, nah. Like it's it's not for me. Like when people put a turkey in an oven, it's just like it's disgusting and it's not my thing. Like I have to have ham. So like I make my parents. I'm like, you got the ham again, right? Like we got the ham because I I will go to the uh, honey baked ham company and buy my own damn ham if I have to. That's how entitled I am in my first world problem. It, it is kind of absurd, like the way that like that kind of shit goes. But like. See, do that. That is my whole thing with the with a Thanksgiving meal. Like, normally your your centerpiece, your one hundred and one of the Thanksgiving meal, like should be the turkey. Like it's in the center of the table. It's the it's the star, and half the time it's dry and it just sucks. Like that is why I will go down with July Fourth over Thanksgiving. Like there's so much more that can go wrong with your Thanksgiving meal than your July Fourth meal. The difference, though, and here's the thing, and this is the the whole to- the topic of it, though, is that there's not football in July, so there is there's football on Thanksgiving. So that is that is a huge a huge knock against the July Fourth, but give me a beer and let me uh, force my friends to to go run a, a post route, and I'll just we'll, we'll play. We'll See, because I think the other thing too with Thanksgiving in a lot of ways is that because. Like the meal that you typically have, like you don't typically have uh, turkey. You know, usually turkey is like what you may have it for Christmas and Thanksgiving, and that's about it, right? Maybe, maybe Easter or something. I don't know because it's not good, and no one wants it all the time. But so it's like a special occasion thing where, like, I can go out back and cook some goddamn hot dogs and some fucking you know some hamburgers or whatever that you're gonna have on fucking Thanksgiving, like or every day on Fourth of July. So it's not like a special thing. You know, it is America's birthday. But I don't know. So, anyways, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy Thanksgiving, but I'm much more of a Christmas guy. Like, I'm just like, can we get this fucking thing over with so we can get Christmas going? Um, because like, I've I've had my tree up since 
the beginning of November, I'm that guy. And like mm. I, I've been listening to Christmas music for like the last month, and people like hate me at work. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. I am uh, will carry on the spirit of Christmas. That sounds awful. You like watch if, your mouth. If as soon as I hear any sort of like jingle bell start, that the station is getting immediately turned. <laughs> like the 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 week of Christmas, fine. Play it all, you know. Maybe even like a day or two after Christmas, but not nothing until at least mid December. Like there's a there's a local radio station here in Pittsburgh that they started playing twenty four seven Christmas music. I think last like Friday or Saturday or something. Like how a lot of towns and cities do like the light up night. Pittsburgh had their light up night, and starting from then on has been it's just 24/7 christmas music until like after july uh, after uh january 1st i think it's too much it's too much we haven't even gotten to thanksgiving yet why are we already doing christmas you know i never understood that take i'm sure people have stopped listening by now because they're like i'm not here to listen to the, your opinions on on this but <laughs> so our three listeners that we have you know will be upset but the thankful thankful for them. yes yes for, for each and every one of them but my thing is, is that I feel like that, like people get so upset. Like, like my favorite thing about the holidays and like Christmas is, I think, I think it just puts people in better moods. And people are like happier, generally speaking, during this time of the year and Christmas time and everything else. And it's like generally makes people happier. But like people until you just, go to Walmart, well, I guess whatever. But like you know, I'm more of. But like I, I just find it so funny how people get so upset. It's not even Thanksgiving yet. I'm like, who cares? Like, what does it really matter? Does it affect you? Because if it doesn't affect you then just leave it alone, right? It is, if I want to put my Christmas tree up in January or in July, I can put my Christmas tree up in July. That might be hot. You know, that might be crazy. But if it makes me happy, then so be it. Oh, no, I'm absolutely. But like, the, like, I just get, like, Christmas songs just get really old really fast. So that's why I can't, I can't handle it. And that's okay. That's okay. I mean, I listen to Christmas music all the time. It's just, it's just, but... I just we had to get that out there. We we had to get at least one Thanksgiving take before we started this thing. So let's go ahead and let's kind of just jump into this thing. You know, we're doing the same thing we kind of done the last couple of weeks. Just kind of breaking down the slate a little bit. We're doing a little bit different this week. I know people who are listening to this on podcast can't see the rankings that we have. YouTube, we are using our our rankings for week thirteen. Me and Cody's. Um, if you want to find them, you can just go to the website, fantasyauthority.com, and it'll be right there on the homepage. You'll see it, Week 13 Rankings, and you can go in there and you can check them all out. For this week, let's go ahead and just start with the quarterback position. I think this week is interesting because we got some pretty solid matchups this week. You know, we have the Chiefs going against Oakland, the Saints against the Falcons tomorrow night, which is the nightcap of Thanksgiving yep. Day slate. I, th- I think some other uh, good ones is like the Seahawks against Minnesota. I do like Aaron Rodgers going against the Giants. Yeah, against the Giants. Um, so, so we got some good matchups here to really talk about. Even like uh, a matchup like the Jets and Cincinnati, for most people, probably makes them want to puke. Uh, I think for fantasy football, I think there could be a lot of fantasy goodness coming from that game as well. Let's just start with it here. We both have Patrick Mahomes ranked one. You know, let's talk about Lamar Jackson a little bit. I mean, he has there. I don't know if there's there's not a team in football that's hot right now as as the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you know, and we're seeing Lamar Jackson just kind of like it feels a little bit Pat Mahomes esque from last year, where we were just ooing and aahing over everything that he's doing, 
And I mean, this that game against the Rams last week was 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 insane. Um, he just went off again. Now this week they do get San Francisco, who has been one of the best defenses in the league. They have just been downright nasty. What they've done to opposing quarterbacks, they made Aaron Rodgers look like the worst quarterback in the league. And so this will be a really good test for uh, you know Lamar Jackson and this uh, this Ravens defense. We might you know maybe get some answers to how to stop this offense. But what are your thoughts this week on Lamar? Yeah, man. Uh, so you have him ranked two. I have him ranked four. So we're not that far off on him. And to me, it's like it's almost like with me putting him at four, like I'm almost like hedging a little bit because I feel like like he can't just continue to completely dominate and take over games. Like you look at his supporting cast, and like it's it's really not that great. I mean, Hollywood Brown has he's he's been okay. Um, I, I know he scored what two touchdowns uh, that last game, but I mean, none of them were long bombs or anything or what you would expect out of, you know, out of Hollywood and kind of what he came into the league known as. And then he has Mark Andrews and that's it. But like, dude, he's just been completely taking over games. Uh, I think this will be his toughest matchup to date. We said that about the Patriots and kind of vice versa for them at the time. And then we saw what he did to New England. Um, I think Baltimore did lose their starting center. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see how that affects Baltimore overall, um, especially with Sam Fran's uh, defensive line there, front seven, which is just completely filthy. Um, but yeah, man, I thought I thought the Rams were gonna put up a little bit more of a fight than than what they did. Uh, I mean, five touchdowns, he just completely took over. And dude, that when they went for on fourth down, first of all, the Rams getting the the 12 men on the field penalty, which moved it up, which brought the field goal unit out. And then you see Lamar Jackson trotting out with, it was what, like 15 seconds left on the play clock or something. And they called the timeout. I was like, all right, there's, they're, they're going to bring, they're going to bring the field goal unit back out. Like there's no way they're actually going for it here. And they did. And they ended up scoring on that drive. And it's just, <laughs> at that point they were up what? 35 to whatever it was at the, at the time. So it was just, like they're just completely unstoppable at this point. Um, so yeah, I, we I have him at four. You have him at two. Uh, next up on our list, we both have Drew Brees at three. Uh, talk to me about uh, Russ Wilson here a little bit. I have him at two, and you have him at six. The the Seahawks are at home against Minnesota. Is this just a case of that, like that tier is kind of jumbled and you slid them down, or do you do you think there's a there's an issue here with the matchup against Minnesota? No, I, I don't think so. I, I do think that there's a chance that this game could be a little bit um, depressed in terms of scoring. It's it's hard not to like uh, a lot of these quarterbacks that are kind of in this range for me. Um, I could kind of rank them in any way and, and probably feel pretty good about it. Like Aaron Rodgers, I think is in a fantastic spot against the Giants. The Giants have been horrible all year. Um, especially in their secondary, so I could see this be, be a big bounce back week for the Giant or for the the Packers, and so I have him ahead of him, and then Jameis, who the dude continually throws, you know, forty times a game. While he's gonna throw two or three interceptions every single game, I mean, it's crazy with Jameis, right? Like he's literally on pace right now to lead the league in passing, lead the league in touchdowns, but also lead the league in interceptions. Like <laughs> he's just he just wants all the records, like. He's like Thanos, and he's just going to take all the records down this year. 
because that's insane. Somebody that that could do that. Plus, they're also going to lead the league in interceptions and turnovers. So, so I really like Jameis. I have Jameis at five, and then I have Wilson at six. But I think this kind of middle group here with Rodgers, Winston, Wilson, and even like a Sam Darnold to a certain extent, I think it should be involved in that conversation for me. And I, I just think you can kind of go either, either one of them. It's it's kind of um, splitting hairs. I think Wilson, I could have him all the way up at four and feel completely fine about it. He's been the most accurate, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league this year, despite, you know, not getting the huge volume. And, you know, as we know, Minnesota's a little bit more of a pass funnel who, you know, their, their run defense is much better than, their, than you know, they're much better against the run than they are against the pass. So, you know, this could be a game where I think Russell Wilson has to open it up a little bit more and they are at home. But this game also just kind of feels like a game that, that could be a little bit more um, like a 24-21 type game. Yeah, so this is one of those where if both coaches had their way, it would just be run, run, pass run, run, pass the the entire, you know what I mean, the entire game. They're both in, uh, I think, Seattle's 18th and Minnesota's 20th or vice versa in uh, seconds per play. So it, it does look to be a, a, a slower pace game with with uh, with a lower scoring. But, and dude, like, it's just so frustrating watching Russ Wilson do the things that he does when they finally do allow him to pass. Like, if just imagining him in a more progressive pass heavier kind of offense, he's dude. It's just insane watching him and what he does on a weekly basis and just like the throws he makes and his pinpoint accuracy and everything else. So yeah, I, I could see that. I kind of figured that's what the, what the case was. Minnesota kind of like Jacksonville, you know what I mean? It's just one of those defenses that has been good for the past several seasons. So everyone kind of just puts them up there and just like, Oh, well, Going against Minnesota might not be that that great of a matchup, but I mean, we saw with the what the Detroit game. I think whenever Marvin Jones scored four touchdowns and three of them were against different corners, and he just roasted every single one of them. So, um, is there anybody else out here? Um, maybe somebody like Dak Prescott. You have him at eight, and I have him at fourteen. They're at home against Buffalo. They are the uh, the second game for the Thanksgiving slate. Um, what do you like about Dak being in the top ten? Well, well, so while while Buffalo's defense has been has been solid this year, and they've really they've been pretty good against the pass as a whole, they definitely have some some, some areas of concern. You know, we haven't really seen them face too many like elite level offenses this year because of playing in the AFC East. Not that I'm trying to um, knock the Bills by any means, but I, I do think that we really haven't seen them tested. Like, they do have Tredervious White. Uh, their other corners uh, are, are highly suspect. So, um, you know, with this game being at home for Dallas and a, a really kind of a must-win must game for the Cowboys, uh, I think there's a lot to like here. Even if even if maybe you don't trust, like, an Amari Cooper this week as much, because when we get to wide receiver, we'll talk about that. But I, I do think Tredavious White is going to present some some – some concerns for somebody like him but overall i think you can really trust you know you can lean on Gallup, you can lean on cobb it's hard not to like dak prescott this week in this matchup so you know i again um it could be one where you know maybe i should be a little bit further down on him but uh you know he also has that rushing upside um that he can give you you know and find the end zone with his legs as well so i think that's also encouraging yeah he he does have have other routes here um i do like Gallup and Cobb in this matchup and you know it'll be interesting to see if they can finally get Zeke going I feel like he hasn't had one of his big like Zeke kind of games um 
the thing we talked about going into the year was just is his passing game usage going to keep up and you know it definitely hasn't to this point but you're right he, he does he does have several outs between those two and his his rushing upside so i mean i, I don't i don't hate it um cut just to skip over to wide receiver real quick, if you had Amari Cooper this week, are you starting him or sitting him, uh, you know, just based off the matchup? And then last week getting sh- completely shut out, a complete donut from Stefan Gilmore. Well, one, I mean, I think that's going to happen against the Patriots, right? I mean, that's what they do. They take away your your, your top play or your, your top players, and they, they, they make you try to beat them in other ways. Plus, I mean, that, that weather in that game was just disgusting. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. I'm not as high on, on Amari Cooper this week as a lot of other people are. I think that he's at least, I mean, he's at least a wide receiver too. Um, you know, a low-end wide receiver too. Uh, maybe a wide receiver three this week. I will say this. If you look at his home road splits, like he has been remarkably better at home than he has been away. And with this being a game, obviously, in Dallas, like, so there is some things to like. I do think Tredavious White is going to probably shadow him the entire game. Um, There's some, you know, that, you know, even a couple weeks ago when they played the Dolphins, um, I mean, Devontae Parker had like five for 120 or five for 80 against him. Um, so some of that I do wonder, you know, they're playing the Dolphins. Are, are you really that hyped up and, you know, amped? Like, this is going to be a nationally televised game, Thanksgiving. You know, and the Bills aren't really on national television very often. So I think this could be a spot where you see him play up. So it, it'll be a fun matchup to watch, but I would be a little bit further down on somebody like Amari. Yeah, I have him as a uh, as a sit in our uh, start-sit article that was just put out today on the fantasyauthority.com. Is there anybody else you want to touch on here, quarterback wise? Uh, yeah, I, we, there's definitely somebody we're going to talk about. I mean, we've only hitched my brand to him, and there's no way we can go through this podcast without talking about the Red Rocket, who is now back as a starting quarterback because the Bengals decided to, hey, we would like to get a win this year, so let's put the guy who they, let's face it, I think the, the the Bengals, if if had they stuck with Dalton, I think they'd at least have a couple wins by now. Not that that's saying a whole lot, but as we know, Andy Dalton has been inserted back into the lineup, and he is going to be starting this week. They have benched Ryan Finley. Their whole explanation behind it is ludicrous, but we know you're just tanking, and I think they're like, oh, well, we need to get at least one win. We can't go 0-16, and so I think that's why they put Dalton back in. I think that adding Andy Dalton back against this Jets defense, like uh, there's actually a lot to like here. And if you're a team that's looking for a streaming option, like we didn't get to talk about it on the podcast because or on the streaming podcast because we didn't get this news yet. It came out the next morning, but Andy Dalton, I think in this matchup against the Jets is 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 is, a, is one of the better matchups on the entire slate of games this week. And I mean the Jets are not good against you know against the pass, and I think that this is a huge boost. Um, excuse me to Tyler Boyd. I think this is a huge boost for a guy like Auden Tate or a, you know, even, even a Tyler Eifert becomes you know, at least a little bit more stomach. Uh, you can stomach playing him in this matchup. So I like Andy Dalton. I actually haven't ranked 14 and I kind of went back and forth about putting him inside my top 12, but I thought that's a little bit too rich with some of these other options here. So um, I like Andy Dalton a lot this week. And I think, like I said, like, I think this game could be, end up being one of the highest scoring on the entire slate. There's a, there's a little bit of a, of a hotter take there for the for the higher scoring one. I'm gonna have to see what the <clears throat> what the over under is on that game. I'm I'd be interested to see what that's sitting at. Uh, but yeah, man, as far as as far as Dalton goes, I'm obviously not as high on him as you are. But I also don't think that there's anybody in the world 
that is as high on Andy Dalton as you are. So that's, you know, setting the bar pretty high there. I have him down at 22 and that's just out of like, there's just other matchups. I, I like a little bit better. Um, I mean, Fitzpatrick against Philly. I have him a little bit higher. Kyler Murray against the Rams. I have him higher. I mean, even somebody like Derek Carr going up against KC, Nick Foles against Tampa Bay. I have all those guys higher. He's had these weapons all year, and he like he started off hot against uh, you Seattle. Have what was that? Um, was that on my end or your end? If you're not watching the uh, the I YouTube live, I, I went to. I, I was trying to find out see what their uh, what the total was for that game. That's why I was looking. And Did it, you find it? Do you have it? I am, and this is one that I would absolutely hammer the over on. It, it what is, is it uh, sitting about like forty-two and a half, it's maybe 40, something like that? Which 40? is egregious. Wow. Yeah, I mean the like you have you have two capable quarterbacks going up against incapable pass defenses. So yeah, dude, if I if that's what it's at right now, I am one thousand percent going to go and hit the hit the over. Like I said, I, th- I thought maybe. It would be around like 42, 42 and a half. But if it's a, if I can get that at 40, I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, somebody that I wanted to talk about in the wide receiver again, we'll kind of just hop over to wide receiver real quick, was going to be Tyler Boyd. Um, and it's just kind of funny that we've seen the, you know, the the squeaky wheel narrative that has worked out very well for, for us in terms of uh, fantasy plays this year. Um, after Tyler Boyd, I think he had, what, three targets and one catch against the Raiders uh, two weeks ago. Last week, he ended up getting nine targets, and he had, I think it was, what, five for over 100 yards and a touchdown against the against the Steelers. And now he gets this Jets secondary. And I didn't realize it, but I was looking at uh, the DVOA information, and uh, the Jets are second in run DVOA. Um I mean, not that we were over-concerned with Mixon taking over a game or anything like that, even though he had, what, 30 rushes, whatever they were. They were down multiple scores. But, yeah, man, uh, I, I really do like this like this matchup. And, you know, for the brand, I would love to see if, if Auden Tate could could get us a score. Uh, no, I yeah, I think Auden Tate is uh, – I mean, I think in someone that's going to be widely available, so – Depending on you know where you're at and what you're looking for this week, if you need, if you need to stream a wide receiver, I mean I think that Auden Tate is uh, is certainly a place you can go to. I, I like a lot of pieces from this, and I, you know once like I said, once we get to wide receiver, we'll you know talk about someone like a guy like Robbie Anderson and stuff like that. But um, so I think it's, I think that's about it for quarterbacks. Um, you know, like we said, uh, if you want to check out the rest of them, you can just head over to thefantasyauthority.com and check them out. Um, let's go check out the running back position this week. Of course, we all have Christian McCaffrey number one because that's what we do, and because he is the goat this year. And Dalvin Cook at two, shocker. And then we agree with Alvin Kamara at three. Uh, and then from there, you know, I have Zeke at four. You have him at seven. And then Josh Jacobs, he's uh, six. You have him at five. And then from there, it kind of gets a little bit different. I have Nick Chubb at nine. You have him at four. Saquon seven and six. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, I have him at 5. You have him at 12. Aaron Jones, 8 and 9. Derrick Henry, 11 and 8. Todd Gurley at uh, 10 and 13. And then Leonard Fournette at 13 and 11. Uh, that pretty much breaks down our, our top 12. Um, for the most part, I think we're, we're pretty similar. What is your thoughts this week on somebody like a Saquon Barkley? Like, I know we have to start him just because he's Saquon, and you likely don't have better options to sit him. 
But, I mean, the, he's just been a train wreck so far this year, and it's been really hard to trust him really over since he's gotten hurt. You know, he's, he's not really giving you a whole lot. They're not utilizing him as a pass catcher. You know, what is your thoughts on him this week? Like you said, man, you like you can't sit him. Um, he he has been a train wreck, like you so eloquently put it there. Um, he's had good matchups over the past couple of weeks, and he just he simply just hasn't produced. Um, and especially like this is a a run funnel defense. The the Packers have been uh, run all over this year. Uh, they they. Their secondary is where the strength is, so this is uh, a situation where if we were looking at it and we knew we knew about the Green Bay defense, we would be slamming Barkley, and he would be in our you know in our top three probably. Um, but it's, it's just so hard to do it. Like I don't know if it's I don't know if it's injury wise. You know, what I mean, if something's bothering him more than we know, like it'll be, end up being one of those things where at the end of the year it comes out and you know that that high ankle sprain that everyone was calling him a freak for coming back in what was it three or four weeks whenever it should have taken him what was it like six or something I think the the original uh, diagnosis was, but I mean you you can't sit him because that's one of those things where if you especially at this point like and if you need a win. You can't sit him and get cute with with somebody like Barkley because at that point, that's whenever he's going to completely go off, and then you're going to look like an like an ass hat if you have Barkley on your bench. So we have him kind of in the middle of the RB one range, but like it's it's something I don't feel great about. But just just based on the talent and the opportunity, it's not like anyone else has been getting the opportunity in that backfield. So um, do you have any any other thoughts on on that whole situation? I mean, if you look at him, he hasn't rushed for over 100 yards since week two against Buffalo. You know, his yards per attempt is kind of is kind of telling where, you know, week one it was 10.9, 5.9 against Buffalo. And then, you know, against Tampa Bay is the game that he got hurt. Now he's come back. You know, it's been four, 3.4, 2.1, You know, he's not, he's not getting these explosive runs, which is kind of what we saw last year. Like, that was – so even though he was in a terrible offense last year with, with Eli – um, and everything else, like, but he was so damn explosive that, like, he was fine. Like, even though he was running behind a, a terrible offensive line, his efficiency um, is really what what booned him. Like now, like, I mean, he has three touchdowns total on the year, two rushing and one receiving yards on the ground. He's not getting as many targets as you'd like to see. I mean, he's it's, he's been okay. I mean, he's gotten six, seven, five, five, ten, eight, five, and three on, on the season. But I think we all expected a little bit more, and so like he just really hasn't panned out. Some of it probably does have to do with the simple fact that he, you know, of injury and and coming back too soon. But, you know, uh, you know, if you look at his upcoming schedule, though, like if he's going to get it right, like it, it's coming up because they get Green Bay this week, which is a great matchup. Now, next the week after that, Philly is a tough one to start the fantasy playoffs. But past that, like you get Miami and Washington the last two weeks of the season. So, you know, in the last two weeks of the fantasy playoffs. So you can kind of weather the storm after next week. Uh, you know, this, we could see a big rebound from Saquon after. Yeah, I mean, it's it's wild. So just out of curiosity, I just pulled this up. Do you have any idea where he sits on this season um, in half PPR scoring? Do you know where he ranks just off the top of your head? Um, I, a half point? Oh, man. It's probably running back 35, something like that. Not as bad as you thought. Uh, running back 26 is where he's sitting. And then obviously he missed – those couple of games, but dude, even in even in uh, points per game in half PPR, 
he is still not a running back one. He's sitting at 15th. Man, could you imagine if you had the, the first overall pick and you took Barkley over McCaffrey, just like how sick to your stomach you would be right now? I couldn't imagine doing it. Yeah. We were... Uh- it happens every year, though, right? Like, uh, yeah. generally speaking, the consensus number one running back always fails. It almost is like you can go back each year and look to see who that guy was, and that guy almost always fails. And it's tough because, you know, I think I want to like, love Saquon, and I still think he has a really bright future ahead. I don't think there's any issues to be concerned with. I think the injury has a lot to do with it, and I think that has more to do with anything. But, like, it's just it's – just, it's almost that way. And like that's why I hate having the number one overall pick. Like I would much rather have that middle of the round pick or something like that. Yeah, for sure. You you let somebody else make that mistake and then you scoop up whoever you want. You had to be excited to hear uh LaFleur come out and talk about needing to get your boy Aaron Jones some more touches this week going up against the the Giants. Yeah, man. Like he and he's been so frustrating. Like he almost feels like the Tyree Kill of the running backs right like you're either gonna get some monster week from him or you get like a complete dud like there's just no in between you know he goes out and gives you 30 or he goes out and gives you it's you know jamal williams doesn't really help either uh, with his involvement in the offense but this does feel like a game where he's easily able to bounce back and i think you feel pretty confident about playing him so like you know him and saquon and like a nick chubb all those guys feel like they're in pretty decent spots Uh, nick chubb makes me a little bit more nervous playing pittsburgh but that offense is so bad that, you know, I think that he's going to continue to see the opportunities. So, yeah, I think that's kind of where we stand with these guys. You know, going down a little bit further, like down the rankings a little bit more, I think this is when we kind of get into some interesting situations here of, of you know, kind of what you're doing with guys. And, you know, I think you have some guys this week, like a Philip Lindsay, who I think makes for a, a pretty solid play. Uh, Tevin Coleman um, is, is pretty scary going against Baltimore. You know, I think this is going to be a really, a really good matchup, but I think this could easily be a game that's much more low scoring than I think some people might think. Um, let's talk about one I think that's a really interesting conversation to have this week, and I think that's Chris Carson uh, with Rashad Penny, and you know how that that monster, that big game that he had last week that we talked about, and now with Chris Carson, and there's been some talk about this could end up going to being more of a fifty-fifty split. What are you doing with Chris Carson, especially in a really bad matchup against Minnesota? Crossing my fingers and hoping that I have a better play that I feel more more confident and comfortable in because I mean we, we got a little bit of reassurance like if you have no better option like if you like I don't think you're gonna you're not you're you're definitely not streaming somebody this week and starting them over Carson more more than likely anyway assuming in you're in like a a ten player league or above up to you know I mean twelve fourteen or whatever else. Um, you did get some reassurances from Pete Carroll. Like they, they just seem to love Chris Carson. Uh, like you were kind of mentioning and leaning into just in terms of the, the running back by committee. Uh, Pete Carroll came out and said about like, you know, they're going to, they're going to be here for Carson. They're going to do whatever they can for him. But then he also said that like, there's no reason for him to not give Penny more touches so this definitely does seem like something. And we talked about this on the waiver pod a little bit. This seems like a scenario where they are headed for more of a 1A, 1B kind of thing. Whereas with Penny, I think he saw as many touches in that Sunday game as he had like the past like three weeks combined. I think it was. He had the he had the same amount of carries. I think he had 14. So if I have somebody better, like you said, it's not a good matchup. 
we're looking at more of that 50-50 split instead of Carson. He was just completely dominating touches all year long. Like earlier in the year, we thought there might be a chance for Penny to come through when Carson fumbled a couple uh, a couple games in a row, but then Penny had, what was it, a hamstring injury, I believe. But now Penny's healthy. Carson is still fumbling, and it seems like it's going to go more toward a 50-50, 60-40 kind of split instead of Carson running away with you know, 85, 90, 90% of the touches in the backfield. So like I said, that it's a situation where I'm hoping I have a better play, but if you don't, you just got to cut, you have to cross your fingers and hope that the passing game can get you into the red zone. And then, um, you know, just kind of hope that Carson can punch one in from the goal line, but it's, it's nothing that I feel super great about. Look at it a little bit last. I mean, so if you look at it as just a snap share, over the last four weeks, he was at 70% against Atlanta, which was kind of a, um, you know, kind of a lopsided game. So they were, didn't really have to play him as much. But then, you know, past that, you know, week nine against Tampa, he played 93% of the snaps. Week 10, he played 100% of the snaps against San Francisco. And then last week against Philly, he only played 58.8% of the snaps, which is, which has to be tilting for, for, you know, his fantasy owners. Because if you look, I mean, on the season, out, you know, three weeks of this entire year, he has scored under you know ten point four fantasy points, which was uh, the second or third lowest that he or fourth lowest, excuse me, that he's had past that. I mean, he's pretty much regularly been above nine, uh, thirteen. You know, he's been in that thirteen to eighteen range about every single week. But if now all of a sudden at the, the most key time of the season where you really need him, you know, as we're getting into the fantasy playoffs, you know, th- this is this is uh, tough. But, I mean, what, he has eight fumbles on the year? Like, I mean, I don't know what else people to expect. I mean, the guy continues to fumble. He had two more last week. Um, one, I think they were able to recover. But, like, he's just not been able to carry, hold on to the football. And, you know, they're just not going to put up with it. So, I think you have to be nervous. And hopefully you're able to pick up a shot penny just in case things happen. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a this is going to be interesting to monitor this week. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think eventually they have to figure out what the hell they have and, you know, Rashad Penny. And, you know, I think this is a pretty solid time to figure that out, especially when you were heading into the playoffs. So let's say that you were a team that did go out. Um, I think going into this week, Penny was only 18% owned. Let's say you were one of those teams and you have to start one of the two. You know I mean? You pick Penny up off of waivers and you're already a, a Carson owner. Who would you be rolling with this week? I think you have to trust uh, Carson, at least again this week. I still think that he probably still sees 60% of the touches in this backfield, and he is utilized a little bit as a pass catcher as well. But I wouldn't feel confident about it because, like I said, this is a terrible matchup, and you're much at more, you know, I think it's much easier to move the ball against the Vikings through the air than it is on the ground. And so, like, this is a tough matchup for them, and uh, I would not feel confident no matter what. Um, with, with Chris Carson. Yeah, it makes sense. The, dude, the other thing too with with Carson that's kind of been kind of been changing from the the beginning of the year was he was getting more targets and more catches at the beginning of the year, and that just hasn't seemed to to been there at least the at least the production over the last couple of weeks. So it'll be interesting to see if you know if Penny can start picking up some of that or or what's going to happen with those targets and. In that passing game, for sure. You know, you know, one thing that's been interesting so far this year is like we have not had that breakout late season guy who kind of wins people's championship, right? Like we just haven't had it. And this might be the first year that I can remember in 
you know, as long as I can remember that, we, I mean, obviously there's still weeks to go that that could change, but like every week when you start to feel like there could be that guy, it doesn't happen. Right. So like Brian Hill, everyone was kind of hyped about him that when he was going to take over that, that, that backfield in Atlanta, um, Bo Scarborough had that decent game. Now he's been okay. Um, so far, but man, now with Jeff Driscoll out this week against like trusting, um, was uh, David? Um, oh, why is his name slipping my name? I know. Blow, Blau. Yeah, David Blau. I I'm not exactly sure how to. Yeah, I, I'd say Blau. We say Blau, but I, I guess if you're playing uh, on DraftKings, he has forty two hundred dollars this week. But um, anyways, like you know, having him as at that quarterback like is 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 terrifying. And Scarborough has not been really utilized as a pass catcher either. So like, but like, so. Who there really hasn't been that guy at all? Like, like waivers have really been pretty poor this year for the most part. Yeah, I mean, last week we had the Jonathan Williams show. I guess he's, or maybe he is that guy. Maybe I, I, yeah, I I forgot about him. So maybe he is the guy because I mean, the last two weeks he's been solid. So maybe he he turns out to be that guy. No, but you're right. Like normally by this time of the year, we're like, man, hopefully you picked up, you know, Philip Lindsay. Yeah, I mean, like, there, there's always that guy or, you know, I mean, some late-round dart throw that, you know, people are coming out of the woodworks and retweeting their own articles of, like, see, I told you guys, you know, so-and-so was was the guy this year. But yeah, I mean, we, uh, we haven't had that, and it's – the thing that sucks about that, too, is normally you would look at that and be like, oh, man, that must mean that, like, all the studs stayed healthy and everyone's producing. But, like, we already touched on with, you know, with Barkley and guys like Aaron Jones who – you know, obviously Jones has been healthy, but he has that 50-50 split, and he's kind of boom-bust. He's either getting you three touchdowns or he's getting, you know I mean, 10 total touches and, you know, stuff like that. So it's – I think you mentioned this on, on a different uh, episode, but it's one of those things where, like, man, this has been such a weird year. But, <laughs> like, this, this year really has. I mean, there hasn't been any of those late-round guys who have really – who have like truly stepped up how you were, uh, how you were alluding to what are you, what are you doing with, uh, with David Johnson and like that whole, first of all, just David Johnson in general, but what about the, the Arizona backfield just as a, as a whole kind of like a big picture view, because now Chase Edmonds got in, I think at least a limited practice. Uh, he should be returning from his hamstring injury. Uh, what are you doing? Are you just completely avoiding that no matter what, or do you have a, uh, a take on if you had to trust somebody out of those three, is there somebody that you would feel semi-confident in starting on a weekly basis? Right now, I think you have to say it's Kenyon Drake, right? I mean, he's been kind of the most consistent. Now, I don't know what's going to happen when, once Chase Edmonds comes back. I still have no idea what the hell's going on with David Johnson. There's people that'll say, "Ah, oh, well, he's, you know, he's washed or whatever." I, I don't think that's the case. I think there's something more to the story here. But I mean, you kind of look at that like, Kenyon Drake since he's been acquired here, and he's put up 26.2, 10.1, and 14, which you know is good for you know he's been at least an RB two in every single game that he's played this year. He has one RB one and two RB two finishes, and he's also seen targets. I mean, he's gotten what 14, what 18 targets. Yeah, 18 targets since he's been in San Francisco. I mean, it's tough. And he's playing a monster snap share, 95, 63, and 98% of the snaps. So, 
I mean, it's hard not to really like him, but you know, I don't know how this is going to work out now once Chase Edmonds comes back. Cause I think he gets, gets, gets a role again. And I don't know, maybe they just shut David Johnson down. Like, I feel like there's something more going on with David Johnson than what they're telling us. We'll never, we'll, we'll probably won't know for a while. Maybe not till after the year or something that's going to happen with him. Cause I don't believe David Johnson's dead, but at this point, like, it's crazy to say this, but like, I think you can drop David Johnson. That that is crazy. Not like not calling you crazy for saying that, but like at the beginning of the year, because you you thought uh, they, there was a chance that David Johnson finishes the RB one. So if I would have said that to you, you know, what I mean, hey man, week thirteen, we're going to be talking about David Johnson is droppable. Like I probably wouldn't be on this podcast right now. Yeah, well, it's crazy because like we talked about this, like before he got hurt. He was RB5. Like, he was putting up some decent weeks for you and, like, was, was a pretty solid play on him on most weeks. Like, he wasn't giving you massive rushing numbers, but he was being heavily utilized as a pass catcher. And and then all of a sudden, um, you know, he got hurt and then he just fell off a cliff. I mean, because if you look at his numbers, so he, 25.7 week one, 8.4 week two, which wasn't great, but this is against Baltimore. Then 18.5, and he's not been seen or heard up from again. Yeah, it's just been like like there there has to be something else going on, right? Is this a case of they're trying to keep him healthy and going to try and like move on from him at the at the end of the year, because I'm pretty sure he carries a he carries a decent cap hit, and with with that team going nowhere fast, that be that's going to be something interesting to watch out for in the in the off season. Kind of throwing this at you uh, with no no prep, but is there a is there a team out there you can think of off the top of your head where if he that he would make sense? Obviously, we can't go through like all the cap stuff. But just in terms of like scheme or like a team that you would that you would like to see him with that you think would be able to kind of maximize his potential or you know I mean because he's what he's going to be what like twenty eight twenty nine I think and he had he had a boatload of touches in in college so is there a place you can think of that you would you would like to see him land if he's not with the Cardinals next year and I know I'm throwing it throwing this at you kind of so he's currently twenty seven but he turns twenty eight. In a couple of weeks, uh, December sixteenth, okay. he turns twenty-eight. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely spots that he could land that like we would all be excited for. Like, I think that yeah, Tampa Bay is an obvious one, but I think that has a lot to do with uh, David or uh, Bruce Arians and his you know his his familiarity with him. And you know, I mean, Ronald Jones has been okay. I, I don't think he's the answer there, um, but I think certainly that's a place he could wind up. You know, I think we'd all feel much better about him and his involvement in the passing game. Somebody that really knows how to use him. Um, not that I mean, he wasn't terrible with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, but we just don't know what's going on with him. Uh, another spot that I think uh, is kind of a dark horse one, but would not be surprised. I don't know how it would work with cap and everything else because of um, they would have to restructure his deal or something to make it happen. But the Kansas City Chiefs is a team that comes to mind who. I think that this yeah. year they're they're going to have a little bit more of a need at running back because of what what you know I think they headed into this year with Damian Williams kind of felt like everything would be okay um, and I it, not that it's I felt like that the reason that they've you know they're they're at what they're six and four or seven and four excuse me is not because they just don't have a running game because they really just don't 
but I think that it's it's more now. I think they 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 definitely need something. Whether I think it's more likely they answer that through the draft because they're going to have to sign Chris Jones long term or franchise him. Pat Mahomes deal is coming up. I guess you could do it for one more year because I think you could play Pat Mahomes one more year on it. So it's possible that they could do something like that. But I think that's another spot. Like that would be scary. Can you imagine David Johnson and Andy Reid offense with you know this offense? That would be sick. Another one uh, I thought of while you were talking, because I didn't even really have an answer for that question. Um, San Fran. I think with, you know what I mean, in, the, in that in that offense, with that scheme, that could be another another really nice spot. Because even going back to, to last year, as bad as that team was, like they were still, I think it was what, like top six, seven, eight in terms of rush attempts and just their rushing efficiency and Obviously, that team is a lot better this year, and with that defense, that would uh, that that would be that be a really nice landing spot for him because I think Coleman can be moved on relatively cheap. I think whenever they signed him, his deal was relatively front loaded, and obviously the the ones they have behind him are either you know I mean sixth, seventh round draft picks or free agents, so that can be another another nice landing spot, but. Is there anybody else uh, running back wise you want to touch on, or are you ready to move on to wide receiver? Um, other than that, I, I don't think there's um, a ton to talk about. Like, I think Latavius Murray could be interesting if, if especially with Julio Jones, if he does not play, I think that he could see more volume than what we typically see because I think the Saints could easily get ahead in this game against Atlanta, and this turns into Latavius Murray getting a lot of carries. I kind of talked about it on the TFS pod, but J.D. McKissick is something somebody I kind of like this year. I think uh, this week, I think he's kind of a borderline RB three in this matchup against against Chicago. We know you know a, a third string quarterback is going to be looking to check the ball down a ton. They likely fall behind against Chicago. A couple of weeks ago, whenever the Lions played Chicago, um, J.D. McKissick was targeted I think ten times. I think it's either, it either seven or ten targets, um, and and uh, so that last matchup. And I think, you know, as we, we already talked about with Scarborough, like he's not utilized as a pass catcher. And so Jaden right. McKissick could easily see 10 to 12 targets in this game. Um, you know, with them trying to dump the ball off and everything else. So uh, McKissick, I think is another interesting play. If you're kind of looking for a running back, we definitely need to monitor what's going on with James Conner this week. If he actually has played, I don't know you being in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you've heard anything. Cause that, that'll kind of change what the way I view things because so if Connor's, I think that, that you can, it's tough, right? Because this is another committee. We all thought it was Jalen Samuels, and all of a sudden Jalen Samuels didn't get many opportunities, and it was Benny Snell and Kareth White last week that were, that were really getting a lot of the, the opportunities. But I do think Benny Snell, if James Conner's out this week, I think Benny Snell's at least a, an interesting flex option. I wouldn't like trust it you know, with, with everything that I have, but I do think that he's at least viable. Now, if James Conner plays, again, it's going to be really hard to trust him because, you know, we saw it the last time he finally came back and he rushed his way back. And next thing you know, he was out again because he, he re-injured himself. And this being a divisional game and everything else. So I think this is a tough one to trust. But where would you put James Conner if he, if he is active? Or, or would you play him? I would not. Um, just because uh, the shoulder injury scares me. But he was sidelined for practice. He did not practice today along with Juju. And it looks like Connor is expected to miss the game against the Browns. So looks like it might be Snell week. Is uh is Snell cheap this week or did he get priced up based off of his performance last week? Just kind of a uh DFS real quick. <coughs> Excuse me. Um he is well I can tell you. I have not even looked at the but I can tell you 
Uh, probably something, probably like a, a format like DraftKings where it's a So he's 4,700. He's 4,700 this week on DraftKings. Okay. Which isn't terrible. I mean, right, but I, I'm not sure how much he'd be involved in the passing game. And obviously with DraftKings being a, a full PPR, like you, you basically have to cross your fingers and pray that he gets into the end zone. I mean, he doesn't have to do too much to pay off that to pay off that price tag, but he's I don't think he's going to be involved in the in the passing game too much. You know, what's crazy is David Johnson has only forty six hundred. He's cheaper than Snell. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's yeah. yeah that is uh, something I did not that's think. Wild. Seen. Yeah. So, anyways, um, let's. I think that's pretty much about it on the running backs. Anyways. Uh, we kind of talked about some of these other ones. I did want to talk about that. but So let's go ahead and just jump over to wide receiver. So wide receiver this week, I think, is going to be, I think there's a lot better matchups and a lot of stuff to talk about. Of course, Michael Thomas is number one. The dude's been the most consistent wide receiver in the league. He's just absolutely crushing it. Uh, we both have Tyree Kill at two. He gets a fantastic matchup against Oakland. They're at home. They're coming off the bye. We know Andy Reid's history coming off the bye. They typically smash. The Raiders are, have, have historically been really bad, especially Derek Carr inside of Arrowhead. So this is a big game, obviously, not just for the Chiefs, but also you know for the Raiders that just got their heads beat in by the Jets. They lose this game, and you you're, went from – Hey, they might, you know, all the, the big talk whenever the Raiders were 6-4, and four, there was all this, oh, you know, the Raiders might actually challenge the Chiefs and take the division and make the playoffs. They lose this game. We're talking about they're probably not making the playoffs and their, their season's over, um, which, let's be honest, there's, there's a, I think, a pretty solid chance that this that's what's going to happen. But we'll see anything can happen in the rival game. Um, Devontae Adams, I think this is a really big bounce-back spot for him going against the Giants. We have Chris Godwin. I have him at three. You have him at eight. Uh, so, you know, um, I'm not really worried about this, this passing as uh, pasty, you know, uh, especially now that, um, Jalen Ramsey's no longer there. So I don't think there's really a lot to worry about. I mean, Chris Godwin's coming off a monster game against the Falcons. What was it? Two <clears throat> touchdowns, 180. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Chris Godwin has just been a monster this year. And then DJ shark, um, I have him at seven. You have him at four. Julio is one we're going to definitely have to monitor. I don't know if he's going to play. At this point, um, there was talk about like uh, after the game on Friday that he couldn't, or after the game last week, he couldn't even lift his uh, his, his arms above his head, which is a big issue. But you know, it, I don't know what's going to happen with him. One, I mean, I don't care that he hasn't practiced this week because I mean, he doesn't. He he typically takes time off, and it's not really that big of a deal. But I mean, are you really going to rush him out there? Like the Falcons are dead; they, they they can no longer make the playoffs. I mean, it's over. Like, do you really rush him back on a short week? I don't know. So, like, th- this is one that people are going to have to monitor. And if Julio Jones isn't playing, then I think that's a big one for a lot of people who have him pegged in against New Orleans, who may not have Marshawn Lattimore in this game either. So, you know, if you don't have Julio, I think this really does a lot for guys like Kyle Ridley, who all of a sudden could, you could consider, a, a, you know, a possible wide receiver one type candidate. But, you know, from there, I have Mike Evans at six. You have him at 10. I have, uh, you know, Julian Edelman, DJ Moore. DeAndre Hopkins, Tyler Lockett, and Stephon Diggs wrap up our top 12 in our consistent rankings with um, Allen Robinson, Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, Cooper, all following after that. Let's talk about a few of these guys here real quick. Um, one, DJ Moore has just been amazing this year. He really hadn't found the end zone, but man, he's really stepped it up. And I think he's somebody that we all should be really paying attention to. Like he, Heading into draft season next season, I feel like he's going to be like a top 15 to 20 guy. 
um, next yeah. year. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, especially heading into this year, it was Curtis Samuel mania. Right. And I, I mean, I, I love Curtis Samuel. And I think with a better quarterback, I think that he can be a reliable wide receiver three in a lot of offenses. But DJ Moore has really, I mean, I think he can be like the next Stephon Diggs, the next maybe even Antonio Brown. I think that's in the range of his possibilities. Yeah. He was somebody that a lot of people were high on coming in as a rookie, then definitely going into his second year. But then all of a sudden, every single beat writer was just talking about Curtis Samuel, most improved player, making catches and plays every single practice and improving as a route runner, this, that, and the other. And that really boosted him up. But, you know, we've seen over the past couple of weeks that DJ Moore has has silenced that all on his own. And even those first couple games with Kyle Allen, um, Samuel and Olsen were getting the targets and Curtis Samuel was getting all the air yards. But... Yeah, uh, DJ Moore has been the one who has definitely been producing, and uh, especially a couple of his prices over, I mean, over DFS the past couple of weeks, he's been somebody that a lot of people have been getting in and getting a lot of a lot of exposure to. Um, I had Julio at three for this week, but I I did these rankings kind of kind of early, and I did it with thought of like, well, you know, he did come back in after that shoulder injury. Um, they, they were kind of out of the game there toward the end, so maybe they just weren't using him. But, I mean, it's – like, especially with, like, shoulder injuries and hammies are just things that, like, both of those make me super nervous. Like, if, if he gets tackled the wrong way or, like, let's say he gets tripped up and, like, he falls or something like that, like, that could be it. Like, let's say that you have to win – this week in order to get in and you have Julio. Now you, you obviously aren't going to have better players than Julio. He was probably the first uh, receiver you took unless you went receiver receiver early in your draft. But are are you going to risk throwing him out there? Like I I get the, like you obviously don't need Julio to practice to play him, but like, man, that's just one of the, like, like I said, shoulder injury. That's one of those things where if, you know, one play, Let's say he extends for a ball or something like that and comes down awkwardly on it. Like that could be it, man. He could be out. And if you need to win, like that's that could very easily sink your team. If you're in a you need that dub in order to get in, are you gonna trot out Julio? Like let's like let's assume that you have like a DJ Chark and like a Chris Godwin. You know what I mean? Something like that. Are you gonna risk playing Julio? And that, you know what I mean? That kind of situation, because that's something where you could easily have those two considering Tark probably wasn't drafted or was like a, a late round dart throw. It's tough, right? The sitting, the thought it's, of sitting, it's really, tough. I think you have to strongly consider it. If you're somebody that's like desperately needs a win, because that could go wrong in so many different ways. Like you mentioned, um, it comes out he tests it and gets hurt and he exits. He could be extremely limited. They could get down early and pull him. So I think the best case scenario, honestly, might be that you just hope he gets benched. I know that's crazy, but it takes away your your, your thought process on it, and you can kind of give yourself time to come up with uh, something to do um, with it. And hopefully, you have other options, which I do think that most leagues there probably is other other available options to to go with. So yeah, I mean, it's tough as tough as it is, but yeah, I think if you, if you can and you have the ability to, I think you probably look to sit him. Yeah, it's. Uh... I'm in like the the same situation. I I split like a I think it's like a hundred and twenty five dollar redraft team with one of my buddies, 
and we have Julio, and we need a win to get in. And I said the same exact thing. We were texting about it earlier. I was like, dude, I just want him to be just inactive. I don't want to have to have this headache because it's 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 obviously a good matchup, even with uh, Lattimore looks like he's coming back, but he's the other injury that I really don't like. Uh, he's coming back from that hamstring injury. I think he was limited all week in practice. But, again, that's one of those ones, one wrong move, one wrong play. Lattimore could be out. You know what I mean? And Lattimore has been up and down this season. He started off like as a, as a matchup you weren't worried about. Then he got hot and started shutting people down. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the same exact thing I said to my, said to my buddy earlier, like, dude, I, I just want him to be inactive. I don't even want this to have to be a discussion because one, one wrong thing and, and he's out. Um, you mentioned I had Godwin down at eight. Like this is one of those tiers for me, how the quarterback tier was for you. Like it's just it's like really jumbled and just trying to decipher is this gonna be an Evans week or a Godwin week because they they don't seem to go off at the same time. It's either one or the other. It's either one is getting, you know, eight for one fifty and two, and the other one is getting three for forty. You know what I mean? Something like that. Like uh Winston hasn't hasn't seemed to have been able to to get both of those guys going at the same time. Um, dude, what are you, what are you doing with Tyler Lockett? Last week, my, my hot take to finish the pod was he was going to be the wide receiver one. What I really meant was he was going to be a wide receiver with one catch. So, I mean, I knocked that hot take out of the park, but what are you doing with, with Lockett? Uh, we already talked about the matchup that they have with Minnesota. Um, are you trotting him out there? Or are you confident about it? How do, how do you feel about Lockett going into this week? I think on paper, I mean, on paper, it looks like a pretty solid matchup, right? Minnesota, you know, it's certainly a, a team that can be had, you know, whether that's, you know, targeting Trey Wayans, whether that's targeting Xavier Rhodes, you know, they're certainly beatable uh, through the air. I mean, Tyler Lockett this year has been solid, but I mean, if you look at him last week, I mean, I don't think there's really anything to be nervous about. Like, I think some people are like, oh, man, he might be still be hurt. But, I mean, he played 94% of the snaps last week. He ran 19 routes, which for him is a little low. I, I mean, I will admit, because most of the most of the time on the season, he's he's a guy that's kind of uh, hovers in that 20 to 30, or in that upper 20s to you know 30 range, sometimes even 40 routes per game. But this was a little bit more of a low-scoring affair, and, uh, you know, they, they lean on the run a little bit more. So, you know, I, I don't think there's anything to worry about. He did only have two targets, which was the second most – the second few – or the – Tied for the fewest he's had all year. Uh, going, all, you have to go all the way back to Week One against Cincinnati, where he only had two targets. But other than that, I mean, he's typically a guy that you see get more close to that double-digit target range. So um, last week he only had the one reception for 38 yards. But I think I think you can feel pretty confident in him moving forward. I, I don't, I wouldn't be concerned. And like I said, like whether he's being, you know, whether they have him on the inside or the outside, I think you, you definitely see them try to take some deep shots. It's going to be interesting to see how they incorporate everybody else, like with uh, DK Metcalf, who continues to play well. And then, you know, as we know, they went out and signed Josh Gordon, who hasn't really had a big role in the offense yet. But this feels like a game where if it does tend to um, shoot out a little bit more, that, that this game, I think, can get pretty interesting. But, you know, as of right now, this game is one of the highest totals on the slate, actually, at 49. Uh, Seattle is actually looking at 26 implied points, which, 
um, is pretty solid, where then you have Minnesota coming in at 23. So I think you can expect some points scored this week. And I think if you're going to do it, you don't typically beat Minnesota on the ground. It's going to have to be through the air. So I think you can really like uh, Tyler Lockett. I think you start him you know, no, without even hesitation. And I think you could easily play um, – you know, DK Metcalf as a solid wide receiver two, late, probably more of a wide receiver three. And then Josh Gordon. Um, if you have him, again, it's it's going to be tough to play him because I don't know how, how much you could actually trust him. But if you're absolutely desperate, I think, that, again, I think you could, it's a way you could go and get him into your lineup because I think that he's at least viable. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys where it's almost like the, the tight end play. Like if you're playing him, like you're just crossing your fingers and hoping that he, he gets in he gets into the end zone. What about somebody like T.Y. Hilton? We both have him like similarly ranked. You have him at 22. I have him at 19. Um, did you have him on, on any redraft teams last week? And did you start him? Because that was something we were going back and forth in with, uh, with there were a couple of us in the, in the Slack chat talking about Hilton and what we were going to do with them and yada, yada, yada. And uh, <laughs> I wish I would have taken my own advice because I did have him on one of my dynasty teams. I was like, you know what, man, like I'm, I, I'm not going to mess around with it. Like, I think I'm just going to sit him. And I was literally driving back from, uh, from subway on my, on my way home. And it was like two minutes until kickoff. I literally pulled over on the side of the road because I just had this gut feeling that I was going to regret sitting Hilton. And I <laughs> luckily he didn't come back to bite me, but I threw him in my lineup with like, I honestly think it was like two minutes until kickoff. I threw him in. Um, he's gotten in limited practices, but earlier this week he was talking about like he he wasn't sure about how he was going to be for this week. So somebody like Hilton, how are you feeling about him going up against Tennessee? I mean, it's tough, right? Because they they he was limited last week, even though he did he gets a decent matchup against Endore Jackson. Is likely who he'll see a ton of. Uh, you know, last week he played, he only played 37% of the snaps, you know, he did run 14 routes. So he was out there. He was targeted, but I mean, some of you call Russ, he had, he hadn't played since week eight. Um, you know, to start the year, I mean, he was, he was kind of hot, right? I mean, he had 28, 14, 20 it was the first three weeks of the season. I mean, everything was looking like, you know, wheels up. And then, you know, as we know that, that things kind of changed pretty quickly after that, then he got hurt and, um, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think this is a terrible matchup. Obviously, it's a division game. Um, the last time they played them, um, and all the way back in week two, he scored 14.3 uh, fantasy points. But I think you can play him at, like, a flex, but I, I wouldn't feel fantastic about it because I don't think this is a great matchup. Um, I think these are two teams that are going to want to run the football. We've seen that, especially, you know, w- with Jonathan Williams getting a ton of uh, opportunities as well. And I think Devin Funches might be back this week, too. So that's just another guy to kind of eat up some of this opportunity. Uh, we do know that Eric Ebron got put on IR, but I don't know. Like, it, it would just really depend on who you had and what to what you were going to do with them. Like, I don't know. Um, I think if you had to play him, like I said, I, I view him as like more of a wide receiver. Yeah, this is one of those situations where if I, if I need a win to get in, I'm probably looking elsewhere. Like, wide receiver has been deep enough this year that you know, I mean, you either drafted somebody else who can put up at least similar numbers to what his ceiling is, um, or you pulled somebody like a, a DJ Chark or a Terry McLaurin, you know, I mean, off a of, off of waivers where you might be able to look elsewhere. So that's that's kind of where I would go with that. Uh, there's there's some guys further on down the list that me and you were both are both pretty 
pretty close on, um, you know, like Devontae Parker. I really like him this week going up against Philly. Three straight weeks of double-digit targets. I think he's had 10, 10, and 11, or 10, 11, 11, something like that. Um, but his worst game over the past three weeks has been, I think it was like five catches for 69 yards. So, like I said, going up against Philly, and the thing with Miami that you really like Devontae Parker for is they're going to be trailing, so that just leads more into him getting targets. And especially with some of the... Uh, some of the injuries we have, you mentioned on the on the waiver podcast with uh, Mike Gusecki being a, a sneaky tight end addition. So, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't see any reason why Parker's not going to be looking at upwards of like 9 to 12 targets again this week. Um, Christian Kirk, we both have a 24 going up against the Rams. Uh, we both like Jamison Crowder this week. We had talked about. Uh, the Jets and Cincy and that being a, a sneaky matchup that both of us like. Um, is there anyone further on down the list that you think is is worthwhile talking about? Um, Randall Cobb is in play. That was someone we talked about as well whenever we were talking about Dak. Is there anybody else down here that that you're looking at kind of a little, little further on down the list? Yeah, I think, I think one of them is certainly uh, Robbie Anderson. Um, I think that he is a borderline wide receiver two this week going against the, the Bengals. We finally got a pretty decent a decent game out of him. I think had the Raiders kept it close, I think it could have been a really uh, almost a monster game because I think he ended up with five, four or five receptions for 80-some yards and a touchdown. And I think he's somebody that easily would have gotten over 100 had the Raiders been able to keep it close. But, I mean, they pretty much called off the dogs there, you know, early on in the second half once the Jets just annihilated the Raiders. So, in this game against the, you know, we've kind of talked about, you know, against the Bengals. Like, I really like Robbie Anderson in this game. Um, you know, I think in a lot of leagues he's probably was available. And I think he's somebody that you can easily uh, really feel comf- confident in as an RB or as an RB as as a wide receiver three slash flex type of option, um, especially with his big playability and his explosiveness. So yeah, I, I really like Robbie Anderson. And then you know some of the other options that you know if we wanted to talk about would be somebody like um, oh Anthony Miller is one that I wanted to talk about now. So basically, with with Taylor Gabriel now called out, you know, with with him being out, Detroit's secondary is awful and can easily be thrown upon. I mean, even Dwayne Haskins looked like halfway confident last week against them, uh, and Dwayne Haskins had looked uh, completely lost prior to this game. So I do think that somebody like a Anthony Miller, I think, is a really strong play. Somebody that could be viewed as a wide receiver three. He's had over twenty targets each of his last two weeks going against Detroit. And I, you know, I think now with Taylor Gabriel, I think this consolidates the targets a little bit more and makes you really like somebody like you know an Allen Robinson, obviously. But I think this also really helps somebody like Anthony Miller. They don't really have a tight end. Obviously, Tariq Cohen is going to be involved as a pass catcher. But um, yeah, I think Anthony Miller makes for a really good play against Detroit. Uh, I like again. I think he's a borderline wide receiver three. Um, so a couple other guys, I think like a Sterling Shepard is interesting because I also think. Is Golden Tate going to play this week? Because I think he got put into the concussion protocol. So I don't know if because Golden Tate's out. Um, if that ends up happening, then Sterling Shepard would be pretty interesting against Green Bay. You can definitely throw upon, uh, throw throw against Green Bay. I think this game has some potential as well to be higher scoring, where I feel like that the Giants are going to be in a positive passing game script all game because I think they're going to be trailing to the Packers. 
And Sterling Shepard is a guy that I think, you know, he sat out all those weeks with that, that concussion. And with him, like, we don't know what's going to happen with Evan Ingram. If Evan Ingram's out and Golden Tate's out, like, it really could be another week where we're talking about Darius Slayton um, and, and a Sterling Shepard to get tons of targets in this game. So if you want to play Sterling Shepard, I think he's another option that you could that you could look at it to flex. Um, Demarius Thomas isn't sexy by any means, but he continues to see targets. And then, like I said, Darius Slayton, if somebody like Golden Tate ends up being ruled out, is is um, another way you could go. You know, there's some like Russell Gage, if Julio Jones is out, if you're super desperate at wide receiver and you need to pick somebody up, uh, yep. you could definitely do that. <clears throat> there's also my boy that we talked about last night on the DFS podcast, Christian Blake, who's somebody that not a lot of people know who he is. I'm sure most people don't have no clue who Christian Blake is. But Christian Literally Blake... not. I think you're making that name up. I, and I am not. He actually received nine targets last week, Five of them, I think, came after Julio came out uh, after after he exited. Um, I don't have a ton of faith in it, but if you're super desperate, you're in a deeper league where you know there's not a lot out there on the waivers. You know, a guy like Auden Tate's not available, or uh, you know, Anthony Miller. Then you know, Christian Blake. I, I know it, it makes you want to kind of dry heave a little bit in your mouth whenever you say it. But I think that there's at least some intrigue there. Maybe like, you know, another one, maybe even be like a Scotty Miller, which again, don't feel fantastic about it. But he's somebody that they've kind of got involved as like a, um, their, their third wide receiver there in Tampa. And Tampa Bay has the number one passing offense in terms of attempts per, per game. And so, yeah, I think that's another way you could go if you wanted. I mean, you'd have to be pretty deep into, you know, down there to really have to start one of these guys. But I think they're at least something to monitor, especially if you don't have Julio. I mean, I've literally never heard of Christian Blake. I just looked him up on uh, College Football Reference. Northern Illinois never had more than 457 receiving yards. Literally had never heard of him. I had no idea he was a thing. Was um was Justin Hardy hurt last week? or He was never targeted. No, he was not hurt. He played. He was never received a single target. Uh, Blake received nine. I, I know. I remember Christian Blake from preseason DFS um, because he the, he had some pretty solid games there in, in preseason DFS. So I mean, he's not like some super explosive athlete. I think he ran like a four, you know, which isn't terrible. But I mean, it's not great either. But like I. Again, like it's pure volume play because who are they going to throw the ball to? We know they don't have Hooper. If Julio's out, you basically have who? You have Jaden Graham at tight end, Calvin Ridley, who would now be asked to be the number one. Devonta Freeman's coming back, but you can't run against the Saints. The Saints are, are, are great against the run. So who are you throwing the ball to? They got it's got to go somewhere yeah. um, with Matt Ryan. So again, again, it's a complete dart throw type of. Play. And but if, if we find out Julio is not going to play tomorrow. You know, Christian Blake is uh, not crazy. And remember, if you play Christian Blake, do not play him in your flex. Yes. Anybody, that's a, actually, that's a good point. Anybody, you should not have anybody who plays tomorrow in your flex. Yeah, just Thursday games in general, let alone one where we have three games going tomorrow. Yes. That that's, is, a, uh, that's, a, that's a good PSA. Now, you were talking about the the targets kind of jumping back to, to running back. Uh, Devonta Freeman looks like he's gonna he's gonna be coming back this week. Um, is that somebody you would play? Like just based off of like let's say Julio does sit because at, like toward the end before he ended up getting injured and uh, missed the past couple weeks, he did start to see his targets go up there. Um, is he somebody you would play? Kind of just hedging off of who else do they have to to target? Yeah, it's just tough because he just hasn't been somebody who 
like I, I don't know. He kind of looks like he's cooked a little bit. Um, yeah, he does can, not look good. Can easily re-injure this now again. I think you know as a flex play. You know if you're not if you don't really have anything else out there, and you wanted to play him, yeah, I, th- I think you could play him. Um, I wouldn't expect the the world because I mean the Saints defense is one of the best in the league. Um, they're one of the top pass. They're, they're one of the p- top pass defense or one of the top run defenses in the league. Uh, where do they come in at a pass DVOA? I was just looking at it. Or excuse me, I mean run DVOA. They are eighth and or no, they are seventh in run DVOA, eleventh um, in pass DVOA. So I mean. You know, like this isn't a great matchup for them uh, in terms of especially um, somebody like Devonta Freeman. They, they haven't really been able to run the football all year, let alone anything else. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, can you play him? Sure. But are you going to do it with, and feel much confidence at it? Uh, no. I think we can jump over to the old tight ends just so we can wrap this up a little bit. <coughs> you know, I got my, excuse me, my Christian Blake, um, you know, hot take in there. So, I, I feel pretty good about this podcast. I think we can just log off now. But anyways, uh, I have Travis Kelsey at one. Uh, you have him at two. Zach Ertz, you have him at one. I have him at three. George Kittle, you have two, five. So, I mean, and then Darren Waller at four. Mark Andrews at five. Jared Cook at six. Hunter Henry at seven. Ryan Griffin at eight. Greg Olson at nine. What kind of a wild year is this when we have Ryan Griffin inside the top ten? Jack Doyle at ten. Jacob, Jacob Pollister at 11. And Kyle Rudolph at, at 12. Now, uh, I don't think we really need to have much discussion about the top guys. We know, you know, they are who they are, and you know, um, you know, between Kelsey Kittle and Ertz, you know, past that, like I think let's start with Jared Cook. Like this is a fantastic matchup against the Falcons. The Falcons' pass defense is awful, and Jared Cook, you know, really has quietly been pretty solid with um, once Drew Brees has returned, and he's somebody that has that hundred-yard touchdown upside um, in this in this matchup against the Falcons. So, like I think you really love him. And then, you know, it's crazy Ryan Griffin, man. Uh, it's, 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 it, but this yeah. is the tight end position. Now, the one that I think is the most interesting is Jack Doyle, right? With Eric Ebron out, like, and I remember you tweeted something about it as well. Like, his numbers, uh, he's going to see a ton of targets now with Eric Ebron gone. And so, Jack Doyle um, is somebody that I'm, I'm sure a lot of people went out and added this week. But you can start him and feel very confident about it, even against Tennessee. They just don't have a ton of um, options in the passing game. So... Yeah, I mean, I think Jack Doyle is is another solid play. Uh, who are you, who do you like this week? Kind of past these these top plays. So real quick on Ertz, um, he missed practice today with a hamstring injury. Apparently, he injured it like two weeks ago, but he's been playing through it. But um, Dallas Goddard, he is fifty four percent owned in Yahoo leagues, but. He might be someone that's worth like a, a speculative ad if you have somebody on your bench who you can kind of just cut bait from um, just just to see. Because obviously if Ertz is out going up against Miami, Goddard immediately slots in to like that top three, four range. So that's something that you you definitely want to monitor. Um, in terms of these guys who are, who are a little bit uh, – deeper i mean greg olson he's kind of been slowing down a little bit he had a he had a pretty nice start to be to the beginning of the year then he had a dip then he jumped back up but they do get washington so i mean obviously in terms of a in terms of a matchup that's not anything you're gonna shy away from you already mentioned jack doyle with ebron being on ir uh somebody we somebody that i brought up a little bit earlier just based off of your waiver wire advice uh mike Gusecki going up against philadelphia 
Um, obviously, that's where their weaknesses is in the secondary. It's not like Miami even has a run game to begin with. Um, but then with with the the injuries that we were talking about, uh, it doesn't look like Albert Wilson gonna is gonna play. Jakeem Grant, uh, Preston Williams has been on IR for a couple of weeks now, so Gasecki is somebody um, who's probably widely available. Let me pull this up real quick. Seventeen um, percent owned in Yahoo League, so that's somebody that you can definitely pick up and and stream right off the bat. He had been getting more involved in terms of his uh, his targets and everything. It hasn't been anything hasn't been anything consistent. He hasn't been putting up great numbers. Um, he had six for ninety five. Looks like four weeks ago, but since then he hasn't topped twenty eight yards in the in the past three weeks. But he has had seven, six, and six targets. So that's somewhere where you can look. Um, Noah Fant going up against uh, the Chargers. Again, somebody who's going to be widely available. Um, not a lot of not a lot of not a lot going on in terms of who they're going to be able to target there. I mean it's it's Cortland Sutton and then Tim Patrick, I guess. But outside of that, um, whenever we get this deep, we're looking at somebody who can score you a touchdown and fans. A dot hasn't been great over, especially over the past couple of weeks with Brandon Allen coming in, but he is somebody who's super athletic. And we saw, what was that? Two or three weeks ago that he can just take one of those and just break them off for, for a long run. Um, and somebody, the last one I'll mention here, Dawson Knox, uh, Buffalo tight end. They are at Dallas. That's, that's a place where they're a little bit weaker in terms of where you can where you can attack them, um, I think Dallas has given up. Let me see, one, two, ninth most uh, fantasy points per game to the tight end position. It it seems a little jumbled in terms of. I mean, they have Tyler Croft and Lee Smith that they're running out, but um, three of the last four weeks, uh, Knox hasn't seen less than seventy one percent of the of the snaps. So. Again, if you're just looking for a, a hope and a prayer kind of play, um, and for whatever reason you're you're either in a, uh, a deep league or maybe like a, a two tight end league, I would you you could definitely look Dawson Knox's way. And then um, last one, uh, Tyler Higby, especially if Gerald Everett is out going up against Arizona, we know the uh, the flow chart there with the Cardinals, so. Um, especially if Gerald Everett does not play. Like I can't even believe believe he's day to day with how disgusting that hyperextension looked um, against Baltimore. But is there anybody else uh, kind of further down the list that you would also be looking at? You mentioned Tyler Eifert earlier. Um, anybody else? Yeah. So uh, really quickly, uh, Noah Fant. I mean, if he's going to continue to see this, the type of targets. Now, last week wasn't as good. He only saw five targets. For a tight end, you're not upset about it. He ran 15 routes, which that, that, that's uh, nothing to be upset about. Uh, he played 83% of the snaps, so he's, he's definitely out there. Um, this was just kind of a weird game, especially for a team that, that was kind of behind in this game, that they didn't really try to open the offense up more. But Brandon Allen was awful as well. So now this game against the Chargers. Um, excuse me. Uh, so, yeah, I think Noah Fant is certainly a, a – Somebody who I think is at least going to have wide or tight end one upside every single week. Um, I like the Dallas Knox Dawson Knox call going against Dallas. Uh, 
I think, again, if this is a game where they're going to have to throw the ball more, which is something Buffalo really hasn't had to do a whole lot this year, I do like him quite a bit. He's somebody that's widely available. And then, you know, like I do like the Tyler Higby call because I was going to say Gerald Everett, if he's able to play this week, because you know, even after the hyper extension, he came back in the game um, and played uh, more after after that happened. I, I do remember that because I was he, he came out on that last drive and was able to play. But we'll see what happens if he's able to play. Say he's dealing with an ankle injury. But yeah, you we always, all year, we just want to target anybody any tight end who's playing the cardinals so yeah if if even better i mean if gerald everett is out tyler higby is uh a lock so um other than that yeah i think that's kind of where i would be at you know as far as you know these kind of off the radar plays goddard gasicki's always uh, you know always in um kyle rudolph really is not somebody that i'm as excited about now with Adam Thielen back, which I don't think we really talked about among wide receivers, but Adam Thielen likely will play, even though he hasn't practiced. There was a report, there was a little bit of a scare, I think, Monday, that he kind of tweaked something, and that's why he sat out today uh, from practice, but I think Kirk Cousins kind of already let the cow there. I think they're expecting him to play this week, so on the, on Monday night. So Thielen out, like that really hurts Kyle Rudolph because he just doesn't see as much opportunities. Anyways, uh, I think that's about it on tight end. It's always an ugly position, so if you don't have these top three, four, five, six guys that we kind of talked about uh you're just kind of uh taking your shot like a Jaden graham is another one that i wanted to mention for atlanta again another team that will not have many options if julio jones is out and they're gonna have to throw the ball somewhere uh, he had that big 53 yard reception last week um and then didn't do anything the rest of the game just completely disappeared so uh we do know the Ram- or the falcons like to throw the ball to the tight end so i think Jaden graham athletic re- re- receiving tight end is a, is a way you could go but i would probably pr- prefer to try to grab somebody else so Anyways, uh, we do have a question in the chat. I didn't want to. I did want to get to this. Um, it said full PPR, uh, Benny Snell or Juju at flex. But right now, it doesn't sound like Juju's going to play, right? I just pulled him up, and he did clear the protocol. The okay, so he's going to play. Um, but I guess he is wearing a large knee brace, and that was uh, that was another injury that he picked up when he got concussed in that game. Um, even though Snell is in involved in the passing game as much i i mean i think i'm gonna lean snell here like at least you know with snell he's he's gonna handle the the backfield touches with um with connor looking like he's gonna be out uh it's not like juju's produced i mean duck hodges has been named the starter it's not gonna get any worse than mason rudolph but i mean no matter what side that juju goes on He's either going to be dealing with Greedy Williams or uh, Denzel Ward. You know what I mean? It, obviously, he's going to be way less than 100% healthy. So, man, I, I would I would hope you'd have a a better option to throw in your in your flex there. But if if it's just between those two, uh, give me give me Snell. It is tough, and I, I will say with it being full PPR, that makes me a little bit nervous with with Benny Snell. And yeah. the, the other thing that really worries me is the fact that they have so many different options that it's hard to really. Um, I think trust who who's really going to get the opportunities. You know, the last week kind of came out a little bit out of nowhere. Um, he had one target last week, so but he had 21 carries, had the 103 yards, did not find the end zone, got you 11.3, which isn't terrible. But like if he doesn't fi- if he doesn't score a touchdown, it's going to be hard for him to really get there. He you may only get seven or eight points out of him with Juju. Like I feel like that I would probably lean Juju 
in this one just because it's it is full ppr but it, it is it's a big roll of uh, the dice because i don't think either one of them are fantastic matchups or, or plays which is crazy that here we are no one would have said that at the beginning of the year that juju or benny snell would have been a question but it's a legitimate question because i, I don't think either one of them possess like high ceiling in this game uh so yeah I, I think i would probably lean juju with it being full ppr but i would also probably ask is there any other options out there is there anybody else available can you go and add somebody like a Robbie Anderson or an Anthony Miller that we discussed who I think that are just better better matchups and better plays overall. Yeah, like you said, uh, week 13, who knew we'd be talking about playing Benny Snell over Juju and wondering if David Johnson was droppable. But yeah, uh, just the two names that you just threw out right there. Robbie Anderson is 55% owned in Yahoo Leagues. Um, Anthony Miller is 13% owned. So I mean, I, I would rather play, even with Trubisky, as gross as that is. Who knew we'd be talking about this uh, as Anthony Miller over both Juju and Benny Snell? That's, that's, that's a place where I would go with that one as well. I think all we have, I think we kind of went through all the positions. Uh, I think this week's going to be a fun one. I, I do like a lot of these matchups, a lot of these games here. You know, we got the three games tomorrow, which will be a lot of fun. No bye weeks, finally. Yeah, you got anything else that you wanted to impart on the people before we go? No, man, just uh, thankful for, for everybody that's been rocking with us so far. Everyone that's jumped into Slack and everyone that's been uh, engaging with us on, on Twitter. And then especially whenever we do these live shows, it's been been a lot of fun. So in the, uh, in the theme of Thanksgiving, just thankful for, uh, for all of our listeners and everyone. Like I said, it's been, been tuning in and interacting with us. It's been, been a lot of fun this year. And now we just have to finish out strong and make it through the playoffs. Yeah, no, for sure. It's been a, it's been a fun year. Hope everybody has a excuse me a great holiday tomorrow. Get to spend time with family. You know, uh, you know, drink a little bit of the booze if you will. Uh, partake in a lot of food and you know watch football all day, which is obviously what we love to do. Uh, if you love playing DFS, be sure to hit us up and uh, check out the DFS podcast and jump into our Slack mainly, and uh, where we'll be talking about the slate leading up to the games tomorrow. Talk about some of the plays. We also have a listener league for the DFS DJ Nation podcast. If you want to get into, just let us know on Twitter at Fantasy Rat Thirteen or at C Kutzer FF. Uh, we have one for we're doing a special one for the Thanksgiving slate, which will be a lot of fun. We got all the guys that are playing or that were on the podcast yesterday. We're all in there already, so it should be a lot of fun. Got some bragging rights on the line. Um, it's not one you're going to make a ton of money on, but it's one that uh, for fun playing against us, and uh, it's five bucks to get in it. It's not anything crazy, and it's over on DraftKings. So if you want to get in there, all you got to do is hit us up on Twitter, uh, or you can jump into the Slack, and we will get you into that. Um, other than that, like I think that uh, this about wraps up week 13. Uh, like I said, hope everybody has a safe and happy Thanksgiving. And we are on the road to Christmas, which is uh, amazing. And so until next week, I think Sunday night, we will talk to you then. Um, have a great holiday and we'll talk to you again on Sunday night. Peace. Bye. I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes to the biggest battle of our professional lives all comes down to today. Either we heal as a team or we're going to crumble. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And 
We can stay here, get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell. One inch at a time. Now, I can't do it for you. I'm too old. I look around, I see these young faces, and I think, I mean, I made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make. I, uh, I pissed away all my money, believe it or not. I chased off anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I see in a mirror. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. Hell yeah. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. <laughs> On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the fucking difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I'll tell you this, in any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die who's gonna win that inch. And I know if I'm gonna have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that inch. Because that's what living is. The six inches in front of your face. Now I can't make you do it. You gotta look at the guy next to you. Look into his eyes. Now I think you're gonna see a guy who will go that inch with you. Hell yeah. You're gonna see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're gonna do the same for him. That's the team, gentlemen. And either we heal now as a team or we will die as individuals. That's football, guys. That's all it is. Now, what are you gonna do? Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.